Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Hello. Peyton, say hello. Hi. What are you eating? A cookie. A cookie? From where? Disneyland? Oh my gosh. We didn't record yesterday because what were we doing? Driving to Disneyland, and now we're in the hotel taking a little break, and then we just decided, like, let's go read a let's go read a chapter. Okay, so far, what's you been? That. I did decide that. That's right. What's your favorite part been so far? You don't know. What's your favorite ride today? Duh, I know what it is. Yeah, but they don't. Let's hear it. Hold on, she's chewing a cookie. Guardians? Yeah. If you have any tip for anybody coming here in the next couple weeks, what would your tip be for them? Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, Haunted Hotel. Haunted Mansion. hmm Okay, those are your tips. Go on those rides. Yeah. And we're recording from our hotel room, and our hotel room is literally across the street from Disneyland. And so our hotel, or our hotel room is really close, actually, to the front, which is cool. And it's downstairs, but that also means that we're learning very quickly that there are sirens and police cars and cars, like, driving fast. So you're going to hear some cars in the background because we're not in a back quiet room. But you're not going to hear dogs. It's not reading with dogs today. It's reading with sirens reading with cars all right are we on chapter two did we already read chapter one of this i don't know did we yeah we did how do we not remember that okay well brain fart. huh brain fart. brain fart i know all right we did we're gonna go on to chapter two okay a series of unfortunate events book the sixth the Arsat's elevator. Is it Ursets or Arsats? I don't remember. Okay, chapter two. In order to get a better sense of exactly how the Baudelaire orphans felt as they began the grueling journey up the stairs to Mr. and Mrs. Squalor's penthouse apartment, you might find it useful to close your eyes as you read this chapter because the light was so dim from the small candles on the ground that it felt as if their eyes were closed even when they were looking as hard as they could. At each curve of the staircase, there was a door that led to the apartment on each floor and a pair of sliding elevators, elevator doors. From behind the sliding doors, the youngsters, of course, heard nothing as the elevator had been shut down, but behind the doors to the apartments, The children could hear the noises of people who lived in the building. When they reached the seventh floor, they heard two men laughing as somebody told a joke. When they reached the twelfth floor, they heard the splashing of water as somebody took a bath. When they reached the nineteenth floor, 
they heard a woman say, let them eat cake in a voice with a strange accent. I wonder what people hear when they walk by the penthouse apartment, Violet wondered out loud. When we are living there, when we are living there. I hope they, he- I hope they hear me turning pages, Klaus said. Maybe Mr. and Mrs. Squalor will have some interesting books to read. Or maybe people will hear me using a wrench, Violet said. I hope that the squalors have some tools that they let me use for inventing. Crife, Sunny said, crawling carefully past one of the candles on the ground. Violet Violet looked down at her and smiled. I don't think that that will be a problem, Sunny, she said. You usually find something or other to bite. Be sure to speak up when you want us to start carrying you. I wish somebody could carry me, Klaus said, clutching the banister for support. I'm getting tired. Me too, said Violet. You'd think after Count Olaf made us run all of those laps when he was disguised as a gym teacher that these stairs wouldn't tire us out. But that's just not the case. What floor are we on anyways? I don't know, Klaus said. The doors aren't numbered and I've lost count. Well, we won't miss the penthouse, Violet said. It's the top floor, so we just keep walking until the stairs stop. I wish that you could invent a device that could take us upstairs, Klaus said. Violet smiled, although her siblings couldn't see in the darkness. Uh, That device was invented a long time ago, she said. It's called an elevator. But elevators are out, remember? Klaus smiled too. And tired feet are in, he said. Remember that time, Violet said, when our parents attended the sixth annual runathon and their feet were so tired that when they got home that dad put a pair prepared dinner while sitting on the kitchen floor instead of standing? Of course I remember, Klaus said. We had only salad because he couldn't stand up to reach the stove. It would have been a perfect meal for Aunt Josephine, Violet said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remembering one of the Baudelaire's previous guardians. She never wanted to use a stove because she thought it might explode. Palm rest, Sunny said, sadly. She meant something along the lines of... As it turns out, the stove was the least of Aunt Josephine's problems. That's true, Violet said quickly. As the, chi- as the children heard some- someone sneeze from behind a door. I wonder what the squalors will be like, Klaus said. Well, they must be wealthy to live in a dark on Dark Avenue, Violet said. Acrophil, Sunny said, which meant, and they're not afraid of heights, that's for sure. Klaus smiled and looked down at his sister. You sound tired, Sunny, he said. Violet and I can take turns carrying you. We'll switch every three floors. Violet nodded in agreement with Klaus, Klaus's plans and then said yes out loud because she realized that her nod was invisible to the gloom. Oh, in the gloom. They continued up the stairs, and I'm sorry to say that the two older Baudelaire's took many, many turns holding Sunny. If the Baudelaire's had been going up the, up a staircase of regular size, I would write a sentence... Up and up they went, but a more appropriate sentence would be up and up and up and up and up would take them either 48 or 84 pages to reach. They went because the staircase was so unbelievably lengthy. Occasionally, they would pass a shadowy figure of someone else walking down the stairs, but the children were too tired to even say good afternoon and and later, good evening, to these other residents of 667 Dark Avenue. The Baudelaire's grew hungry, and they grew achy, and they grew very tired of gazing at identical candles and steps and doors. Just when they could stand, no, stand it no longer, they reached another candle, and, 
and a step and a door. And about five flights after that, that stair, after that, the stairs finally ended at the deposited, and the de- deposited the tire wait and deposited the tired children in a small room with one last candle sitting in the middle of the carpet. By the light of the candle, the Baudelaire orphans could see that the door to their new home would see the door to their new home, and across two pairs of sliding elevator doors with arrows and buttons alongside. Just think, Violet said, panting from her long walk upstairs. If elevators were in, we would have arrived at the squalor penthouse in just a few minutes. Well, maybe they'll be back in soon, Klaus said. I hope so. The other door just might be the squalor's apartment. Let's knock. What if they weren't home? Oh my gosh. Well, maybe they'll be back. (gasps) Oh my gosh, we've arrived. Well, maybe they'll be back in soon, Klaus said. I hope so. The other door, I just said that and I think that, that they're not home. Oh my god. Well, maybe they'll be back soon, Klaus said. I hope so. The other door must be the squalor's apartment. Let's knock. Oh, okay, maybe they are home. They knocked on the door, and almost instantly, it swung open to reveal a tall man in a suit with long, narrow stripes down it. Such a suit is called a pinstripe suit, and is usually worn by people who are either movie stars or gangsters. I thought I heard someone approaching the door, the man said, giving the children a smile that was so big they could see it even in the dim room. Please come in. My name is Jerome Squalor, and I am so happy that you've come to stay with us. Oh, I'm very pleased to meet you, Mr. Squalor, Violet said, still panting as she and her siblings walked into an entry almost as dim as the staircase. I'm Violet Baudelaire, and this is my brother Klaus and my sister Sunny. Goodness, you sound out of breath, Mr. Squalor said. Luckily, I can think of two things to do about that. One is that you can stop calling me Mr. Squalor and start calling me Jerome. I'll call you three by your first names too, and that way we'll all save breath. The second thing is, I'll make you a nice cold martini. Come in right this way. A martini? Klaus asked. Isn't that an alcoholic beverage? Well, usually it is, Jerome said. But they made it with water. Uh, But right now, alcoholic martinis are out. Aqueous martinis are in. And... Aquarius martini is simply cold water served in a fancy glass with an olive in it, so it's perfectly legal for children as well as adults. Oh, well, I've never heard of an Aquarius martini before, Violet said, but I'll try one. I've never heard of an Aquarius martini either. Aha, Jeremy said, you're adventurous. I like that. Oh, gosh, Jerome, sorry. Jeremy. I don't, it looks like, it also looks like, look, it looks like it could be Jeremy. Jerome. Okay, Jerome. You're adventurous, and I like that in a person. Your mother was adventurous, too, you know. You know, she and I were very good friends a a ways back. We hiked up Mount Fraught with some friends. Gosh, it must have been 20 years ago. Mount Fraught was known for having dangerous animals on it. But your mother was not afraid. But then, swooping out of the sky... Jerome, who is that at the door? Called a voice from the next room. Who does she think it is? Really? And walked in, a slender woman, also dressed in a pinstripe suit. She had long fingernails that were so strongly polished that they shone even in the dim light. The Baudelaire children, of course, 
Uh, the Baudelaire children, of course, Jerome replied. But they're not coming today, the woman cried. Well, of course they are, Jerome said. I've been looking forward to it for days and days. You know, he said, turning from the woman to the Baudelaire's. I wanted to adopt you from the moment I heard about the fires, but unfortunately, it was impossible. Orphans were out then, the woman explained. Now they're in. What happens if they're out again? Yikes. My wife, my wife is very attentive to what's in and out, Jerome said, and I don't care much about it, but Esme feels differently. She was the one who insisted on having the elevator removed. Esme... I was just about to make some aqueous mar- oh, yeah, aquas martinis. Would you like one? Oh yes, Esme cried. Aquas martinis are in. She walked quietly over to the children and looked over them. Over to them, I'm Esme, Gigi, Genevieve, Squalor, the city's sixth most important financial advisor. She announced grandly. Even though I am unbelievably wealthy, you may call me Esme. I learned your, I'll learn your names later. I'm very happy you're here because orphans are in. And when all of my friends hear that I have three real-life orphans, they'll be sick with jealousy, won't they, Jerome? Well, I hope not, Jerome said, leaning, leading the children down a long, dim hallway to a huge, dim room that had various fancy couches, chairs, and tables. At the far end of the room was a series of windows, all which their shutters were drawn so that no light could get in. I don't like to hear of anybody getting, anybody getting sick. We'll have a, well, have a seat, children, and we'll tell you a little bit about your new home. The Baudelaire sat down in three huge chairs, grateful for the opportunity to rest their feet. Jerome crossed crossed to one of the tables where a pitcher of water sat next to a bowl of olives and some fancy glasses and quickly pre- prepared a qua- a qua- wait, aquas martinis. Here you go, he said, handing Esme and the children a fancy glass. Let's see. In case you ever get lost, remember that your new address is 667 Dark Avenue in the penthouse apartment. Oh, don't tell them silly things like that, Esme said, waving her long nails in front of her face as if it were a moth attacking it. Children, here are some things that you should know. Dark is in, light is out. Stairs are in, elevators are out. Pinstripe suits are in. Those horrible clothes that you're wearing are out. What Esme means, Jerome said, is that we want you to feel as comfortable as possible here. Violet took a sip of her equate aquas martini she was not surprised to find that it tasted like plain old water with a slight hint of olive she didn't like it much but it was it did quench her thirst from the long climb up the stairs well that's very nice of you she said mr poe told me about some of your previous guardians jerome said shaking his head i feel awful that you've had such a terrible such terrible experiences that and that we could care for for you in the entire time well, it couldn't be helped, Esme said. When something is out, it's out, and orphans used to be out. I heard all about this Count Olaf person, too, Jerome said. I told the doorman not to even let anyone in the building who even looked vaguely like a dis- that despicable man. You should be safe. That's a relief, Klaus said. That dreadful man is supposed to be ups- up on some mountain anyways, Esme said. Remember, Jerome? That unstylish banker said that he was going away in a helicopter to go find the twins that he kidnapped. 
Um, actually, Violet said they're triplets. The Quagmires are good friends of ours. My word, Jerome said, you must be worried sick. Well, if if they do find them soon, Esme said, maybe we'll adopt them too. Five orphans. I'll be the innest person in town. We certainly have room for them, Jerome said. This is a 71-bedroom apartment. Whoa, 71-bedroom apartment, Peyton. So, children, you will have your pick of the rooms. Klaus Poe mentioned something about your being interested in investing in things. Is that right? Well, my sister's the inventor, Klaus said. I'm more of a researcher myself. Oh, of inventing things. Is that right? My sister's more the inventor, Klaus replied. I'm more of a researcher myself. Well, then, Jerome said, you can have the bedroom next to the library. And Violet can have the one that has a large wooden bench, perfect for keeping tools. Sunny can be in the room between you two. How does that sound? Well, that sounds absolutely splendid, of course, but the Baudelaire orphans did not get an opportunity to say so because a telephone rang just at that instant. Oh, I'll get it, I'll get it, Esme cried and raced across the room to pick up the phone. Squalor residence, she said, up to into the receiver and then waited for for the person who spoke on the other end. Yes, this is Mrs. Squalor. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. She hung up the phone and turned to the children. Guess what, she asked. I have some fantastic news. The quagmires have been found. Klaus, the quagmires have been found, Klaus asked, hopefully. Who, Esme said. Oh, them, no. They haven't been found. But don't be silly. Jerome has, Jerome, children, listen to me. Dark is out, and regular light is in. Well, I'm not sure if I'd call that fantastic news, Jerome said, but this will be a relief to get some light around this place. Come on, Baudelaire's, help me open the shades, and you can get a quick look of our view. You can see quite a bit of light from so high up. I'll turn on all the lamps in the in the penthouse, Esme said breathless. No, breathless. Said daylight, not light. Well... No, it said, I'll be relieved to have some light in this place. Come, Baudelaire's help. In the movie? Oh, and light is in. Daylight, not light. Oh, it says in this book, regular light is in. Yeah, regular. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Peyton memorizes all the books. So it's like, she... (laughs) Okay. I'll go turn on all the lamps. Okay. Esme dashed from room to room while Jerome gave the three siblings a little shrug and walked across the, to the windows. The Baudelaire's followed them and helped him open the heavy shades that were covering the windows. <sighs> Instantly, sunlight streamed into the room, making them squint as their eyes adjusted to the regular light. If the Baudelaire's had looked right right around the room it was properly illuminated they would have just seen how fancy all the furniture was the couches all had pillows embroidered with silver the chairs were all painted with gold paint and the tables were made from wood chopped away from some of the most expensive trees in the world but the Baudelaire orphans were not looking around the room as luxurious as it was or as luxurious as it was they were looking out the window into the city below spectacular spectacular view don't you think jerome asked them and they nodded in agreement it was as if they were looking out on a tiny tiny city with with matchboxes instead of buildings and books bookmarks instead of streets they could see tiny colors and shapes that looked like various sex insects but 
They were really all cars and carriages in town, driving along the bookmarks until they reached the matchboxes where the tiny dots of people lived and worked. The Baudelaire's could see the neighbors where they had lived with their parents. Oh, had seen the neighborhood where they had lived with their parents and the part of town where their friends had lived. In a faint blue strip far, far away, the beach where they had received the terrible news that had begun their misfortune. I knew you'd like it, Jerome said. It's very expensive to live in a penthouse apartment, but I think it's worth it for a view like this. Look, those tiny round boxes over the top of the orange of over there are is the orange juice factory. That sort of purplish building next to the park is my favorite restaurant. Oh, look straight down. They're already cutting down those awful trees that made the the streets so dark. Of course they're cutting them down, Esme said, hurrying back to the room and bowing out, blowing out a few candles that were sitting on the mantelpiece. Regular light is in, and as in as aquas martinis, pinstripes and orphans, Violet, Klaus, and Sunny looked straight down and saw that Jerome was right. Those strange trees that had blocked out the sunlight on Dark Avenue, looking no taller than a paperclip from such a great height, were being chopped down by the gardener dots. Oh, by gardener dots. That's funny because they look like dots from up there. Even though the trees had not made a, the street seem so gloomy, it seemed a shame to tear them all down, leaving bare stumps far that far from the penthouse window looked like thumbtacks. The three siblings looked at one another and then back down Dark Avenue. Those trees were no longer in, so the gardeners were getting rid of them. The Baudelaire's did not, did not like to think of what would happen when orphans were no longer in either. That's what I thought. What happens when orphans are out? What happens? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, that's going to be a weird situation, huh? Yeah. Very, very weird.